Well, hey, I'm Doug Jones. I'm Jason Wheeland. This is another episode of Doable Discipleship. We're so glad you've joined us today. This is a Saddleback Church podcast and YouTube show designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. Or as we like to call it, what do we call it? The show that helps you grow. Yeah. Doable Discipleship, the show that helps you grow. Remember? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The jingle that never Still working off. on that yeah, little we're bitty. still workshopping that a little bit. <laughs> Anywho, uh, thanks for joining us today. Today we're continuing with a series of episodes. This is part three of that series that are inspired by Pastor Tom Holliday's book, The Relationship Principles of Jesus. You can have a gander here if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, this is a great book that you should really check out if you don't have it yet. Uh, Saddleback.com slash books. Yeah, just go get it. Bookstore on the weekend. It's real Amazon. easy. You can find yeah. it all kinds of different places. Show Anywhere notes. books are sold, you can you can find this this thing. Uh, so you may want to pick that up because it'll help you go through this whole series with us. You'll have a better idea. What we uh, are doing here is really just kind of scratching the surface of everything that Tom had to say on this stuff. So we're extracting some of the really, really good bits. But there is tons of really amazing content in this book that we just won't have time to get into on the show so we encourage you to go pick that up so you can get the full version deeper with the book yes yes do uh last week we covered principle two which was love as jesus loves you we covered a lot of great stuff make sure you go back and listen to those previous episodes if you're just joining us for this series because you'll have a you know a better sense you'll have a lay of the land that you won't have otherwise uh so make sure you go back and check that out in this episode we're moving on to principle three which is communicate from the heart So uh, we're going to be picking up with some great, great new principles right after this. And we're back. Um, So today we're talking about the power of words. In My Fair Lady, the character of Eliza Doolittle says, words, 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 I'm so sick of words, but we're not sick of words today. We're talking about them. <laughs> is that a good? As always, it's a quality. It's a quality reference. Yeah, that's right. Um, so today we're talking about the power of words. So our theme verse, uh, Matthew twelve thirty four, says, "Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks." Mm. Right. So our first point that we really want to hit on today is that the words that I speak reveal what is in my heart. Uh, have you thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? The words that you speak reveal what's in your heart. So in, so often, like, we try to let ourselves off the hook by calling something like, oh, is a slip of the tongue, or, or oh, I misspoke, or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't ulti- mean it. Yeah. But ultimately, the things that, that we say come from a place within us that, that we, you know, we had that in us to say. So mm-hmm. it reveals a bit what's what's in the heart, right? Um, so it, if somebody says you got like you know you have the mouth of a sailor, it's probably <laughs> based yeah. on something within. It's probably you, have the heart of the sailor a sailor too. It's not yeah. a slip of the tongue. Uh, you know, it's not just a, a mistake. And this is how Jesus talked about it. Is Jesus said that everything that comes out of the mouth is ultimately a manifestation of the heart? Yeah. Now those are that's those are strong words. But super important, especially as we look at it from the frame of relationships, the things that we say to others um, ultimately have some deeper place, you know, within us. Yeah. There's no, like, mystical thing that happens between heart and mouth where suddenly the mouth just goes rogue and says something 
that comes from nowhere. It doesn't just spontaneously say things. That all is that all stems back to to the content of your heart. Mm-hmm. This is a point that Jesus made really, really strongly, and causes us to examine ourselves a lot further than we would typically do. But you you, you can't say something horrible and say I didn't mean it because you did mean it. And what what you're really saying when you say I didn't mean it after the fact is what you're saying is I now recognize that that was a cruddy thing to say, but yeah. you did mean it. It There's came from some, somewhere. Yeah, it came from somewhere. That, that I, I think that's exactly right. Is there, su- there is something within you that d- drew out that feeling, and whether or not you meant to say it to the person, if you say, oh, I didn't mean to say that, yeah. there's still a feeling inside that led you to feel like that had to come out. Yeah, like what you really mean is, I realize now that that was bad to say, or I real I wish I hadn't said that, yeah. that kind of thing. But you can't oh, say you didn't mean it. I see this reaction now. I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, C.S. Lewis said something that I thought was really, I thought was really insightful on this. He talks about the idea that you know we we can blame things on a slip of the tongue. I didn't mean it. Whatever, it just came out. Whatever, um, there was nothing to it. You know, um, but what he said is. You know, what we most often present to the world is the version of us that we are kind of manufacturing, like a polished up version of ourselves. Like we tend to, we tend, there tends to be a filter that exists between the the real internal life and the the way we portray ourselves outward. We all kind of have a, we all have masks that we wear, I think is language we would sometimes use. And he said in these moments where we have a quote unquote slip of the tongue, he said it may be that it's those moments where we're actually glimpsing the heart in its greatest truth and in its greatest reality, because who are we really except what comes out when we don't have the time or the moment to control it? Like if what you get in the slip of the tongue is the unbridled reality of the heart. That is a hard thing to come to grips with. Like that is a that is a rough realization to go. Wow, that that ugly thing that I said wasn't. I can't. I'm not off the hook for that. And even sometimes it's the it's the ugly things that you that you catch yourself even from saying. But the thought was there, and that came yeah. in. So it's ultimately, because what we're getting at is is the heart of the matter, is the heart behind our relationships, yeah. um, which Jesus was all about doing. Like Jesus he, was all he about was all doing. about saying, like, yeah, 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 fine. You obey the law of Moses, sure, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. You know, don't commit adultery. All this stuff. He said, just because you haven't done that doesn't mean you haven't sinned. Just yeah. because you haven't murdered someone doesn't mean, in his words, that you haven't murdered them in your heart by calling them idiot or by cursing that person. And so Jesus was really keen to like get our attention off the outward stuff, which is the which is the semi-controlled and and, and like sort of manicured version of us, and make us address the real the real problem that lied within the heart. Yeah, he's saying props for you. You didn't kill that person, but you still wished he was dead. Yeah. So there's an issue there. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, you you know, you didn't commit adultery but you still looked lustfully. Well, what does that reveal? It reveals there's yeah. something in your heart that would do something if there weren't consequences. Mm-hmm. It reveals something inside that is uh not right and that is only controlled because of self-interest or yeah. whatever. It could be many things. But it's the it's what's going on in the heart that Jesus was primarily concerned with because that's the true person. Pastor Tom has a quote on page 153 of the book that I think pretty uh you know, just says this in a really clear and good way. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Ouch! Jesus speaks of a direct link between the mouth and the heart. Your foot pushes the accelerator of a car, and the speed increases. A direct connection. Your finger pokes the up button outside the elevator, and the doors swish open. A direct connection. Your heart is feeling bitter, and your words become sarcastic. Also, a direct connection. 
I'd like to think that I can avoid this connection some, and somehow cut off the overflow before it actually spills out. Our solution is often, if I could just build a bigger dam, nothing would overflow. So we dam up our emotions, our fears, our hurts, our hearts. Eventually, of course, the dam bursts, and what should have been a refreshing stream of honesty becomes a destructive flood of pent-up words. So he's, he's describing here uh, an explosion that sometimes happens in relationships where you, you hold things back for a long, long time, longer than... Um, longer than is healthy, and then everything just sort of busts out all at once and ends up being a really damaging, uh, a damaging moment in the relationship and causes a lot of harm, and, some, and sometimes to both parties. Uh, so this is important that we start really getting grips on the communication aspect of our relationship because really every single human relationship depends on communication. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the words that we speak constitute the, the tone and the exchange between two human beings. They're very, very important. Communication yeah. is key. Words have their value. And so when you think about what it is you're saying, if you're looking at your relationships and there's some that might be a little more strained than others, spend a little time just thinking about what, how do we communicate? Like, you know, what choices of words am I using? You know, how am I receiving the words that are coming at me? And just, yeah. and, and, and think a little bit about that. Yeah. Because oftentimes it's, it's that, it's that we, you know, take a harsher tone with people that we're having a strained time with. Yeah. And it's not helping the situation at all. Um, and so, but so if we take hold of our words, if we take hold of, of the message that we're trying to get across and, and, and what we're trying to convey, um, it can it can lead to more fruitful results. Yeah. So the f- the first realization is that the words that I speak reveal the contents of my heart. That's a it's an important first realization. You want to take us into the second one? Yeah. So the second one says, likewise, the words that I speak influence my heart. And there's a great quote uh, from Tom's book. We're on page one fifty four right now, uh, right under the quote that uh, Doug just read. So it says. The connection between the mouth and heart is actually a two-way connection. My heart affects the words that come out of my mouth, and, and th- the words that come out of my mouth affect my heart. Notice what Jesus taught in Mark 7.15. He says, Your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. This reciprocal connection causes us to sometimes get caught up in the vicious cycle in the vicious circle of words the anger in our hearts spills out in biting words that magnify the anger inside and wound our soul the wounded soul reacts by striking out with more angry words mm-hmm. so what he's kind of talking about is this it's it, it's the cycle of 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 things that can affect your soul and affect your if you if you say something, it's coming from a place, but then you have said it, so it solidifies it. It gives it more credence. It it, it, it says, "Oh, this is a thing that I believe," you know. And then it circles back, like, and you start getting, you know, whether it's more bitter or it could be angrier or more frustrated or whatever um, is behind those words. Yeah. Um, it just it it's kind of like self refills yeah. almost. Um, and the truth is, is we actually do harm to ourselves when we fail to control our tongues, right? Yeah. Um, and that's something that we don't think about very often. I, I know I sure haven't given too much thought to that um, prior to this, but it's it's important to just to be mindful 
of of what you're thinking and then what you're going to say and then if if you have an urge to say something to you know to question that you know like yeah. where's that coming from yeah why do i have that urge yeah um instead of just letting loose <laughs> and then and then that just um reinforces what it is that's inside yeah um right so uh, tom says words designed to hurt others hurt you the most deeply of all yeah yeah I think that's something that we don't get in a relationship generally. We think of, like, it's a sticks and stones thing. Like, you know, <laughs> words They're can actually word. do yeah. great harm to other people, but they can also do harm to yourself. And and not just the words that you that come out of your mouth, but also the internal dialogue that you allow to run rampant. You know, when you're feeling angry about something, and you're feeling bitterness towards someone, and you dwell on that, and you you begin processing in your mind, you begin this this monologue in your mind that reinforces how terrible this other person is and how foolish they are, how how uh, selfish they are. They don't care anybody care about you. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And you can you can kind of spiral down this rabbit hole. And there's something, I don't know, I think it's kind of mysterious because I don't know exactly how this happens, but I do know that when I let that dialogue, it's actually not a dialogue, it's really a monologue, it's just me, <laughs> just, it's the internal uh, it's internal speech. When that is allowed to go out of control, it really does amplify what I'm, what I was already feeling. It doesn't make it better. It makes it much, and much. And you start worse. to feel it in other places. Like you feel it in your gut. You just, you know, get hot. You get, you know, just upset. Yeah. And and ultimately, what that can do is even like lead to more lies. Yeah. That you're starting to tell yourself and start to believe. Yeah. And and, and then you're just created this whole different storyline about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um there's it, a there's a thing, there's an idea in the Bible too, and it's most often it's most often in reference to God, but there's this there's something true in the idea that when we when you speak, you you, you bring things to pass with your speech. There's something that's powerful and creative in speech. God created through speaking. Mm-hmm. But I think human beings, in, at, at, at a certain level, we create through our speech as well. And the things that we say have a tendency to bring things to pass. And I don't mean in the mystical sense that if I, if I, sure. you know, the, the power of positive thinking or that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that there's this, you know, weird force in the universe that lets you bring things to pass by just saying it. Nothing like that. What I'm saying is that your words have an influence on the world around you, especially when you're dealing with personal beings like other other humans. And there's something really true about the idea that the words you speak are like bricks that start stacking up and they actually build something. You can build a good relationship on good communication and you can build a really terrible relationship with bad communication. And so, yeah, this is really big. We have to understand there's a reciprocal process here. Our hearts determine what comes out of our mouth, but what comes out of our mouth can also reinforce and um, amplify what's yeah. going on in our hearts as well. Don't know how it works, but I know it's true. Uh, number three, uh, the words that I speak set the tone for my relationships. Uh, and this is this has to do with culture. Every relationship has a culture. We, we think of culture, we think of like broader culture, like American culture, <laughs> or California culture, or Christian culture, or Hollywood culture, or whatever. We think of culture in terms of like large groups of people. But every relationship, even like you and me, Jason and Doug, if you're the you and me I'm referring to, if you're just listening to the if you podcast. Just, if you just tuned in right now. <laughs> Who's the you? <laughs> Is it me? Um, there's a culture even here. Every relationship has a culture, and the way you communicate really determines that. And so unhealthy communication has the power to turn a really good, peaceful, life-giving relationship into a really bitter, 
painful ordeal. Uh, and, and you've seen that happen. If, you, if you've had like a stressful day at work, for example, and then you go home to your family or you hang out with a friend and that stress and irritation from the day is bleeding out in that relationship and it kind of makes everybody have a rough night and it, it ends up with you kind of in conflict with the other person because you're bringing prior stress into your communication, which affects the relationship and that sort of thing. So the way we speak to each other determines the culture of the relationship and it can really... It can, it can be a force for tremendous good, but it can also be really damaging. So if there's a—I think the encouragement here, though, is that if you're in some kind of relationship with anybody in your life, and there is a strained or sort of uh, bitter or just a culture of negativity in one of your relationships, I think the first thing you should do is to assess the communication quality of the relationship. How, how have we been talking to each other? And since you can only control yourself, just think about you. How have I been speaking to this friend of mine? How have I been speaking to my mom or dad or my roommate or you know my spouse or my kids, whatever? If the relationship just feels like it's gone sour, there's a really good chance that your communication is to blame, and that should be assessed first and foremost. And, and what's great about this is that even a very small shift in communication, uh, just like we said with kindness last week, small acts of kindness can, can, can compile over time and kind of have a compounding interest mm-hmm. effect, like it, they, be, they become more powerful as they stack up. The same is true with words. Um, and sometimes we can pollute the culture of a relationship with ugly words, but small adjustments in the tone and the content and the quality of your words can really revive a strained relationship and put you in a place. So, so if, really, if, 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 if the communication in a relationship has eroded, it means that you've actually lost the ability not only to have a good positive culture between the two of you, but you've also destroyed any hope that you can work on any of the other issues that are hurting the relationship. So it's like without communication, not only do you have an ugly, are you in a bad spot, but you actually lose the one tool that you have to to fix the other aspects of the relationship. Because without communication, it gets really tough to, to heal any part of the relationship. Yeah. If the issue is quality time. You got to talk about the issue and talk about how you're going to fix the issue and yeah. if you're only doing so with vicious words or berating words or or diminutive words or whatever, yeah. you're not helping anything. Right. You just your quality time consists of sitting and seething bitterly yeah. and, and all that stuff. So communication is really the tone setter. And that's uh, so we have to elevate our view of communication. It's not it cannot be seen as like a tool one tool in the toolbox. Like it's one of the core core aspects of any good relationship. It's really, it's almost a big portion of the outplay of the first two weeks that we talked about. The first week was Mm -hmm. that there's nothing more important than relationships. So are you showing the the importance of relationships in your words and how Mm -hmm. you speak? Like, is it obvious that you value these relationships Mm -hmm. in the way that you speak? And then the second week, you know, which is talking about the love is patient, love is kind, love is not proud and whatnot. Is that evident in your words too? Yeah. Um, So I think those are important things to consider, yeah, right? Totally. Um, the fourth and final point that we really want to uh, touch on today is my approach to communication reveals who is the ruler of my life, right? Oftentimes, our communication turns nasty because we are trying to gain control and get our way. Hmm. Um, and often, I think that's such such a true point. Anytime that I have an inkling or or a desire to you know say something or whatever. If it's if it's to put another person down, or if it's or or, or whatever it is, I, it's, uh, most of the time it's coming from this place of f- self focus. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last week, but it's this idea of 
um, of pride that's at the heart of this is that I want things my way. I want things to be going a certain way, and they're not going a certain way. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm going to use my words as as a weapon almost or as a means to get this other person to kneel to my will, essentially, yeah. is what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds tough. It sounds rough, but it's it's really the truth behind it. Yeah. Um, when we insist on wearing the crown, we turn ugly and self-centered. Um, that's the case in all everything yeah. about our lives. In any situation, any area of our life, when we insist on wearing the crown, things turn ugly and self-centered. Yeah. And when it comes to our words and it comes to our relationships, um, it's often us that turns ugly and self-centered. Yeah. Um, and when we surrender to God as king, we submit to him and set our self-serving agenda aside. The bottom line is good communication requires humility. That's yeah. not a word that we've used in this series, but it's a word that we've talked around a lot this series, so I'm mm -hmm. really glad that we're hitting on this point today because humility and love are probably the two greatest keys to successful relationships. Yeah. Um, love for the other person. Last week we talked about taking a genuine interest and then um, having the humility to say, you know, I'm not right all the time. Um, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, even if, even if the other person in my relationship isn't, isn't inputting as much as I think they should, I'm still going to take the extra step and do a little bit more in order to make this relationship better than it is. Yeah. Um, that's humility. It's humility to say, fine, I'll be the one to do this. Yeah. And it's not say, you know, it's not saying, you know, and I'm going to make them know it <laughs> or it's not saying, it's not saying, oh, because I'm better than the other person. Yeah. It's just saying, you know, I value this relationship. I want to see it succeed. And, you know, and I know that it needs input, it needs care, it needs TLC, Yeah. Um, right? You got to, you know, be tending to that garden. <laughs> yeah. So, so even if, even if you're upset because the other person is, is, uh, air quotes, not doing their share, yeah. it doesn't mean that you just say, well, then, you know, it's on that, you know, you know, like, whatever, I'm not going to be the one to you know, to do this every time. Yeah. Just just take the step. Be humble about it and yeah. say, I want this relationship to work. Um, so I'm I'm gonna put in the extra effort. I'm gonna go the extra mile. I mean that's what Jesus did. I mean yeah. we, we love like Jesus by doing that. We humble ourselves, which I mean we talked about pride last week. Humility is the antithesis of pride. Pride is self-focus. Humility is the opposite. It's placing others. It's raising their importance. So you're taking the eyes off of you. There, there are, there are perfect opposites that way. You can't love, you cannot love with pride. You can only love with humility. Ultimately, biblical love can only be done with humility, and that's what Jesus modeled. Yeah, we talked last week about how Jesus said um, that you prove that you are my disciples by loving others as yourself. Yeah, um, and that's evident in your words too. It's not just the action items we kind of talked about last week, right? But it's evident in in your heart. And it's evident in, in the way that you speak. So it's evident in how you think about others. Yeah. Uh, that's proving your discipleship. Yeah. And it's evident in, in the words that you use, how you speak to others. And um, and that's and that's clear not just to God and not just sometimes not just to the other person either, but to others that hear the way that you speak. Yeah. 
so think about with your communication think about think about the content so what is the what are you conveying with the words that you're speaking for one that's important mm-hmm. think about the quality of your communication so how tactfully and thoughtfully have you spoken to this other person so i mean you can have good content with poor quality like you can have uh you can have a you could be saying a good thing, but saying it in a bad way that doesn't serve its purpose. You look really nice today. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the Batman. Right. Well, it, it, <laughs> the it Batman ended up being compliment. Batman. It wasn't what I was going the for, Christian but Bale. it was kind of. It was. It was more of trying to say something nice, but in a but dour in a, way. Yeah, that's a little. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's not quite exactly. Yeah, it didn't but, quite work. But yeah, I think they get the idea. Um, so think about content. Think about quality. Uh, but. Here's the big one. Think about motive. Yes. Look at look at your heart because I think if you really got down to the nitty-gritty and you really if you really thought before you spoke, you would start realizing that you have ulterior motives when you speak to other people a lot of the time. This is why there's so much passive aggression in relationships because you say one thing but you mean something else and you're trying to you're trying to dig into somebody and that's that's a manipulative tactic. Mm-hmm. Or you may, you may be a person who, like, here, here's how I screw up with this all the time, is I approach things with a very, what I call a very, like, logical, rational approach to things. But what I do a lot of the time is I will use that approach in order to, to gain the upper hand. So if you can come across as the cool-headed, thoughtful, um, you know, rational person, then you can use that as a tactic to gain control of the other person and to claim to claim the high ground. That's another tactic to take control. You might be a person who um, just explodes and you try to take a huge, big, boisterous, loud posture in order to shrink the other person so that you can gain control. There are motives behind not only the content but also the quality of your communication. So think about that stuff. You might realize if you just stop and slow down a little bit and think, okay, before I say this, what's my goal? What's my goal in saying this? Is it to, is it to bring harmony and goodness and sweetness to the relationship, or is it to gain the upper hand and take control? Am I trying to, are 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 me and this other person, whoever this friend or whoever you're in relationship, are we wrestling for the crown, or are we desiring to put each other first? And again, you can only control you. So examine your motives. That is really really important. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, you're very right, Jason. Your approach to communication reveals who's the ruler of your life. Let's. You gonna say something else? I was gonna say it's doable time. Yeah, buddy. For doables, we're actually gonna pull these right out of Pastor Tom's book. Uh, we're gonna be on page one fifty six. If you got the book, you can check that out. Um, you've got that there, and we're gonna just read through these, and we'll just expand on them just slightly. But he gives these really great strategies that can help break the cycle of poor communication in a relationship. And I think these are really these are really insightful and super doable. There's a bunch of them. Typically we don't like to lay out this many doables, but it's just a really really good list of tactics and you can just be thinking, okay, in this situation this would be a great tactic to these use. These are all important steps. Yeah, they are. are things to do, yeah. The first one is a good one. So when 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 you're in danger of letting you know unhealthy and unhelpful words just start dumping out of your mouth. These are some good tactics to take. The first one is take five or 10, whatever you need, get away for 10 minutes and let your anger cool down. Now, this is very simple and very tactical, but a lot of us 
you get ramped up, you start feeling angry and frustrated about something, and... and you want the other person to feel your anger sometimes. Yeah, you, but anyway. yeah, very often. And uh, it actually gets really tough to maintain control and maintain your sort of... Um, just to kind of stay pointed in the right direction with your communication. So a, a quick surge in anger can cause you to say things that are going to be destructive to the relationship, bad for your heart, bad for everything. So if you just take five or take 10, if you need 10, I might, I'm usually more of like a, maybe like a take 15 kind of person, get away from it, cool down, and then reapproach. And when you reapproach, you're very often able to do it in a much healthier, more thoughtful, and, um, you know, just not angry and teed off kind of way. Yeah. So that's the first one. Take five, take 10, take whatever you need, and then come back to the conversation. The second one, pray for the other person. You referenced this, was it last week, I think you talked about praying for the other person, how yes. important, what an important small step that is, but a very big one at the same time. And by the way, when you take your five or take your 10, praying is something that you could do in that moment. You could even go and in prayer, Tom's talked about this in weekend messages and stuff before. He's like, you know, you can turn your complaints into prayers. If you, if you start a conversation with somebody and you feel yourself like getting ready to say something nasty, take five, take 10, go away, pray for the other person and sort of vent that stuff. You can vent that stuff to God in a healthier, <laughs> That's what better I was just going to say is you can tell God, I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm frustrated. Yeah. You know, and just, just, just be honest about how you're feeling at the moment. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't want to be. Yeah, you know, and just ask God for help. God, help me get exactly. this. Help me get these feelings under control so that I can do. Praying for the other for person though is huge. Yeah, totally. Uh, the next one: wait until after you've eaten to have the difficult conversation. Do you? I love how this acknowledges human biology a little bit. Like the, being hangry is a real phenomenon, <laughs> guys. If you have not eaten in too it's long, true. if your blood sugar takes a dip, you're gonna be a jerk. I do it all the time. So Tell me you, about it. It might, be something, <laughs> it might be something as simple, like your, your, your state of mind on something might come down to something as simple as it's just been too long since you ate. Go drink some orange juice. Get that blood sugar up. Go, go, just go sit down for a meal. Grab a snack. Do something. Get yourself sorted out. Because you may literally, if you ever find yourself like, oh, I'm just in a mood and I don't really know why. I'm just feeling grumpy right now. Think when's the last time I ate and what did I eat? Because <laughs> that could be that could it could be as simple as that, and you mm-hmm. don't want to have something that's that silly be the reason why a, a whole day gets ruined or a week gets ruined or the relationship gets kind of like kind of knocked around a little bit just because of that. Yeah. Hey, you're acting like Joe Pesci. Have yeah. a Snickers. <laughs> yeah. So eat. Wait until after you've eaten to have the difficult conversation. Don't have that conversation over dinner usually, because then. Just kind of, it can spoil dinner sometimes, after, and you're going to need a few minutes for that yeah, after. for that uh, food to start, you know, improving your state of mind. I love that one. Uh, next one is use owning statements instead of blaming statements. That means you don't blame the other person for your feelings; you own them for yourself. This is important. Uh, so you focus on you, not not in the sense that you're the most important, but you focus on you in the sense that you take ownership of, of your piece of the problem. Like Rick says all the time, even if you're only 1% to blame, you step up and you own your 1%. You make sure that you, 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 you uh, what am I trying to say? You own up to your problems. Yeah, it's something that my wife and I talk about a ton is just this idea of just saying, of, of, of again, you can't control how the other person is going to react. You can't control, you know, so you, 
you have to temper expectations of how the other person is going to receive what you have to say. But when you base your thing of saying, this is how I feel, Mm. you know, this is what I've perceived, you know, how, you know, and just focus on that as exactly as you said, is you're not going in there with a barrage saying like, you've been doing this, you've been doing this, you've been doing this. Instead, it's saying, you know, I've been feeling this way. You know, and so it, it puts it back on yourself. It's it makes the other person less defensive. Yeah, in that way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a great I think a great sub point to this one is is uh, feeling statements in reference to yourself rather than statements about the other person. So make statements about so when when you did this, it mm-hmm. made me feel this way, rather than you did this because you're such a jerk. You know. Yeah. So there's like a, you know. The, there's there's a right and a wrong way to approach those kinds of things. And yeah. very often, the way you're feeling what the other person intended doesn't always line up. So sometimes you jump to conclusions that aren't true. So mm-hmm. just focus on how those things made you feel um, and then and then go from there. Um, it keeps you from finger pointing in the relationship, which almost always ends in, mm-hmm. uh, it almost always makes things worse than how they began. Next, watch the tone and the volume of your words. We've talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Keep it under control. Don't just think about what you're saying, but also think about how you're saying it. These are these are very important. Um, next, focus on the solution, not the problem. Obviously, a huge one as well. So see this person that you're in a relationship with as a partner to help deal with the problem, not as the problem itself, or not as your enemy, but as your as your companion setting out to solve a problem. Yeah, it focuses on the hope too, and yeah. the goal of wanting to make the relationship better rather than just stewing in the problem mm. and almost coming at it from a defeatist mentality or yeah. from a prideful mentality of you got to change this because it's keeping our relationship from going to the next, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 And then lastly, learn to accept what cannot be changed. This is, I think this is just a very, this is a pragmatic one, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you just have to accept what cannot be changed. There are some things that either cannot be changed at all. So maybe maybe it's something that you're, you're, you're fighting about and having conflict about in a relationship that deals with an external circumstance that cannot be you that you cannot change, um, and it could also be um, accepting that things can't be changed overnight. So I don't think it's necessarily always just saying something just can't be changed. This just is what it is because you don't want to in a relationship just kind of throw your hands up and say, "Well, this is just how it's always going to be. Forget it. Like why bother?" Um, it's not. It's accepting that some things can't be changed, but it's also accepting that some things are just going to be a process, and we have to be willing to enter into that process and stick with it over the long haul. Again, like we talked about last week, we talked about the importance of perseverance, that sometimes the best thing you can do in a relationship is just stick with it. So accept things as they are, um, and then work toward a better future. Yeah, and knowing that you cannot change the other person in the relationship. Right. And so sometimes it just means that you need to, you know, adjust your expectations, but it doesn't mean that you do less or care less about the person or right. about the words that you're using or whatever. Yeah, You should still put just as much, if not more care <laughs> into how you're speaking to you know other person or, or acting towards the other person or whatever. Mm-hmm. But n- knowing that, you know, it, it's that you cannot change them. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week once again. And let me just say, happy Father's Day to all you dads out uh, there. Oh, you got it in. Happy to you, Father's dad, Day. To Jason's dad. Yeah. To all the dads. To Jason, who will soon be a dad. 
Well, I, you are. A dad. I could. Your baby just still I doesn't could, cry and keep I you could, up all night yet. By the time this episode comes out, I could very well be. <gasps> Ooh, we're that close. Home. It's we're getting very close. Well, happy Father's Day to you, regardless oh, thanks, of when Doug. you guys deliver, and you and your two awesome kids who I got to hang with yesterday. Thanks. All right, everybody, we love you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Bye.